We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Indeed and Bet Online. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers or the Blue Wire Network. Joining me is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Madden champion, Eric Crocker. What's up, dude? I think I'm gonna actually I'm gonna retire like the whole Madden champion. And I think I'm gonna go with Sniper Crocky because I downloaded Call of Duty Warzone. Let's go, dude. Let's go. You know, we're gonna be running around. You're gonna be. You're gonna be so lost. <laughs> uh, it's all right, man. I'll hold you up. I'll hold you up. We'll play some duos. I'll, I'll prop you in my backpack like like Baby Yoda and uh, <laughs> like Grogu, and we'll uh, we'll make it happen, man. That's gonna be fun, dude. Once I catch fun. on, I'll be fine. Like, I mean, the good thing is I, I I still know all the buttons. I just don't know how to. <laughs> 
<laughs> play. <laughs> I just don't know the guns. I don't know the attachments. I don't know where the bad I guys are. I, I don't know. know all that. I've never been no. good with like the guns and the attachments. Like my um so really my prime Call of Duty days was when I was in college. And I of mean we would, we would just play all day. And the way we did it was just whoever out of the two guys had the least amount of kills, like you had to give up the sticks. And kind of, <laughs> so we just kind of rotated that way. Um, but I mean, we've been on for like all day, you know, all day. Well, my my homies, I mean, they were more, you know, into Call of Duty than I was. Than I was so, you know, they helped me, you know, with, with, with all that. Like when it came to guns and attachments and stuff like that. So I knew what gun I liked using, but only like because they set it up like that, you know. So right. um, now, adult Crocky, I'm going to have to figure this all out. And um, I, like, I want to get good. Like, I'm tired of just only playing Madden all the time. Well, th- well, you know, thankfully for you, you your uh, your podcasting partner is basically an adult kid, and that still <laughs> plays video games and and never really stopped. So I I'll be able to walk you through all of it, man. I know I know every I know that everything about that game. Uh, it could be pretty frustrating at times, but it'll it'll be fun, dude. It'll be we'll get on there. I don't know. Depending on when you got a, a rack out, we might have to jump on there for a little bit right after this. But I gotta um, play my brother in my man league after this. But after that, shoot, heck yeah, I'm down. I'm be up. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's gonna be fun. If you don't, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Warzone. Um, it's it's Call of Duty's Battle Royale, where you know you can join a game by yourself or with a partner or in threes or fours, and the idea is to be the last person alive. So it's played on this huge map, and like the the map slowly gets smaller. And, you know, you, you're the area where you're allowed to be is slowly constricted until, you know, you're everybody's close. By that time, a lot of people have died. But, you know, then it comes it, it'll come down to you and somebody else, you know, eventually. And it gets really intense, especially in those late circle moments where, you know, it's like and you can always see how many people are alive. So, you know, you're looking at it. You're like, OK, it's two on two. We yeah. kill these two guys and we win the whole game. And, and it, it gets wild. It's intense, but I've been, yeah, I've been playing first person shooters for like all my life. I actually had a very small window, kind of like, uh, Crocky's NFL career. I had a very small window to become a professional halo player. Um, and a, a smaller window cause you actually got into the jets obviously, but uh, I, I just, so I decided to decline because it was in the middle of me going to Fresno state. My parents were paying for my education. I didn't think it would be a good decision to drop all of that <laughs> in favor of video games. So I chose to kind of go another way, but I used to, uh, used to play me some halo. That's for sure. And call of duty. And you know what, what's crazy? Um, in call of duty, modern warfare, I had the highest kill to death ratio in all of Xbox Live. What? And I and it wasn't like and if anybody who knows shooters knows that like oh well you can just hide and kill like five people and then you know you have a great kill to death ratio. But I played nothing but free for all. So my kill to death ratio was like a a, a six point something, meaning I would kill six oh, like six ish right. people before I would die on average. And my win to loss ratio in free for all was like a four or five point something. Wow. So I would I would win like five games for every one that I lost. So dude, back in that day, I played, obviously, I played way too much shooters. And if you went back and looked at my college transcript, you would know when I was playing too much video games and when I decided to get 
(laughs) become an adult because when I started out, my grades were not great and I knew exactly why. And then finally I was like, okay, this is a little ridiculous. I got to scale back a little bit. Well, I will uh, say this. I mean, who would have known or who would have thought that like gaming was going to become so big? Right. I never would have I never would have thought this, bro. The whole streaming thing and how much ridiculous money you could you can make if you build up a, a following, it's it's unreal. Like back if, in in my you, day it was just like prize earnings, you know, yeah. like how how many how many tournaments can you win? But now it's just if you can get a stream going, you don't even have to be professional. You could just be good and you know, you have a little charisma and boom, you're making thousands of dollars a month. Right. I mean, and back then, if you just would have thought to somehow stream it and, man, like with that kill-death ratio, because people will watch to try to figure out, like, what the hell is he doing? How is he doing it, you know? Right, yeah, and it was it was, it was, was crazy. I mean, I was younger, and, yeah, the, uh, the none of the streaming stuff had even taken off. It was just people – it was rare for, like, just for people – people were just starting to even record their gameplay. Like, it wasn't live. People were just figuring out how to record it and right. be able to right. upload it. Clips to like have been YouTube. doing like, you know, double kill right. or triple kill and trying to re- just right. record clips. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was young, but, but anyways, you know, so yeah, we'll have to, uh, whatever. We'll see. Maybe we might even get some Warzone in tonight. We'll see. Yeah. But, um, I'm in, man. I'm in. But speaking of Warzone and playing a lot of video games the, the that's got to be what the majority of the 49ers roster is doing right now because we were uh, we were talking to Kyle Shanahan today and he said you know obviously the 49ers have picked up and moved to Arizona because Santa Clara County in their infinite wisdom gave the 49ers the boot and told them to get lost because they weren't allowed to play sports in in that area during this time. And and of all, there are 32 NFL teams. The 49ers are the only team in the NFL to be told to leave. So, you know, it obviously, yes, it has to do with, with the pandemic and the conditions, you know, in California are not great. But to me, that spoke to more of their relationship with Santa Clara County than it did anything to do with safety. Like, I think they, that, like you, you mentioned, you know, for lack of a better and more eloquent word usage, that might've just been a big fuck you from Santa Clara County. And the, the, the more the conversation goes on, the more it seems like that. Right. Because you even Kyle Shanahan was asked today and you mentioned this before we recorded he was asked uh, by Cam Inman. Great dude. Um, one of the members of the Santa Clara city council like made some comment that the 49ers were putting everybody in harm's way by continuing to play sports. And I'm like, I listened to that and I'm like, how do you like, how do you wrap your brain around? Like, how do you accuse a place that gets tested every single day and has had no, they obviously have had people go on the COVID list, but they've had no outbreak of any kind. Everything's been pretty well monitored and handled and executed. Even after Kendrick Bourne went on the list, the NFL investigated the 49ers to check to see if they were following COVID protocols and everything was found to be on the up and up. And like, then this dude's like telling them that they're putting the entire County at risk. And I told you before we recorded, like if I had a significant other that worked before the 49ers that tested every single day, I would pe- feel pretty damn good about them walking into my house every day. Right. You know, 
I don't know. Like maybe I understand that things aren't great and that California is kind of moving towards another stay at home order. I, Gavin Newsom, the, the governor of California, announced today that that if, if if the California would be separated into about five or six regions, and if any one of those regions got below a certain point, I think it's fifteen percent as far as um, uh, emergency beds and hospital like availability. If it got below that threshold, then they would they would tell everybody to in the in that region to stay home. So obviously things are not going great when it comes to containing this virus. But I just don't think the 49ers were adding to the chaos. How do you fix it? That's my thing. Because, I mean, you know, obviously it's been going on for a while. Is it as simple as just getting a vaccine? Or, you know, what is it? Because, I mean, just watching it, nothing is nothing is right. You know, I mean, obviously we understand that, like, the severity of it and, you know, the the issues that people are having trying to just kind of figure out a way to work around this. Um, people are losing jobs. Uh, businesses are being shut down, uh, you know, on a not as serious scale, but kind of serious. You know, a lot of high school kids aren't getting their, you know, junior and senior years of high school, you know, on the field or basketball courts. And, you know, those are big for a lot of kids trying to get their education paid for. And it's like, man, like, what's what's the end? How is this going to end? Like, how does this get better? Well, I think I think the vaccine is a huge part of it, but I I mean I'm not a medical expert. I have no clue, but I know that the countries that did have a lot of success with it just implemented very 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 strict regulations from the start. And you know, because you can kind of kill a virus. Like let's say that, and and I'm not again I'm not advocating for anything. I'm not I'm not making a point at all. But let's say that everybody in America stopped doing anything for two weeks and those of people that were deemed essential obviously were done so under like the absolute strictest protocols with you know rapid testing and temperature testing everywhere you know and then everybody that didn't have to go anywhere went nowhere you know you it would kind of kill the virus because you know you if you had it at the time it would eventually leave you um your body would kill it and then nobody could spread it to each other because that was kind of from what I know, that's for the most part, the countries that had success, the measures that they took were just so restrictive that the virus essentially killed its, you know, it killed itself because it couldn't, it couldn't transmit from one person to the other. But I don't know. I, I really, I, I mean, the vaccine is going to help a lot, but again, we have flu vaccines and people get the flu like crazy and I'm not comparing the two things. I'm just saying, I, I think that maybe the whole COVID thing might be here to stay, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh. I think that it's just going to be something that, that maybe pop, you know, maybe it becomes seasonal kind of like the flu is. I, I really don't know. I have no clue, but obviously it's as the season has gone on within the NFL, it's, it's taken its toll. And, and, and uh, thankfully from what I know, no NFL player that's contracted it, has really had a bad case. No one's gone into an emergency room. And and that kind of goes with goes into what they've come to find about this virus is that, you know, your health and your overall condition has a lot to do with how badly it affects you. Right. There's some people that are absolute exceptions to that rule. There's been plenty of stories of people that are extremely healthy still getting very sick. Um but, you know, thankfully all these NFL players, it seems like the moment they get it, they do their 10 days and they're back on the field, you know. So and Thankfully, it's almost like we don't good. even think about it, right? Like, we don't look at it like, oh, that person has COVID. We just look at it like, 
oh man, how many days is going to be out? <laughs> right, right, right. And sure enough, right. like, you know, knock on wood, but so far, let me really knock on wood. But um, everybody's come back and it's been, you know, fine. Like there haven't been any. Um, well, especially with, with NFL players, you know, there was a lot of things that have been said. And I'm not sure how much of it is definitive, but there has been some some findings that COVID can affect your your lungs, and can obviously a lot of people, you know, that's what gets really sick is how it affects their lungs, and they get fluid in their lungs. It becomes really hard to breathe. But there's been other studies that say, okay, if you don't get that, it could still affect like your lung capacity, and it can like damage your lungs. Well, obviously, an NFL player, you know, one of their most important functions is their lung capacity and their cardio and their you know their their air intake. So. It's just you you haven't really heard about anybody struggling with that after they've got it. So it's been interesting to see how it's all unfolded from an NFL standpoint. Yeah, right. It's a super small sample size as far as human beings in general. But, you know, it, luckily we just haven't heard of any truly uh, horrible cases in regards to, uh, you know, NFL or even college football, really. So, I mean... It's good to hear. Obviously, again, I'm not trying to act like the NFL's health is any more important than everybody else out there. And if you're listening and you've been affected by this, I'm so hopefully certainly not downplaying anything. It. Right? Yeah, I got it. You know, and and, and <laughs> my experience was very mild. But again, I'm also I'm fully aware that that my little brother's fiance, um, she's healthy. She's younger than me. She's a couple younger years younger than me. Uh, she was in the hospital a couple times because it got so hard for her to breathe. She couldn't even finish sentences. You know, it was it was so hard for her to breathe. And, and you know, so it, the difference there between me and her, um, there has been some studies that say, that, you know, the, your, your nationality and your genes have a lot to do with how you're affected. You know, I'm white. Wow. She's Mexican, you know, and, and they have said that there, there, there's some connections to that. But again, it's so early on. So many people are are learning so much about this so rapidly that it's hard to say anything definitive, but you know, I'm glad that, and, and again, my, my little brother's fiance, now wife got it. It affected her horribly. My brother never left her side. Obviously he got it, but his was the same with me. he just, it barely affected him all. Like how he felt. He lost his taste and smell just like I did for a few days. And that was it. Like his, his experience was super mild yet. The fiance that was in his house, um, his wife now uh, had it super bad. So it's it's all over the place. Yeah. It's all over the place. So, um, when, and when, it, when, you know, rounding back to the 49ers, what, what I was going to say when, in regards to Xbox was the 49ers right now, their protocols are extremely limited. These players are only around allowed to be around each other during practice. And all of their meetings are being conducted via Zoom. And obviously, since they've moved to Arizona, they're probably staying. They're staying in like an extended stay hotel that has, you know, they're, and they're utilizing the the big ballrooms and 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 stuff like that to create like a suedo locker room. And so things are just crazy right now. And it's it's just it's this is going to be a very memorable season when we look back on this. We'll see how different it is next year. But I mean, at some point, we're going to look back on how crazy all this was, right? Yeah, man. I mean, it's been wild, and I've just, and it's, I think it's even wilder, kind of just depending on the region of the United States you're in and how different places are handling it. You know, me being here in Arkansas, and you know, you being in California, all my buddies being in California, and 
How are much things different? in Arkansas pretty much like normal for you right now? Y- yeah, I mean, I just do people wear at, masks. Um, y- you do. Yeah, people wear masks, but it's not like mandated everywhere. Really, like so, like let's say you go to the grocery store. What percentage of people in that grocery store would you say are wearing a mask? I say about eighty percent. Okay. See, like even like eighty percent to think of eighty percent in California, like that would be crazy because it's like ninety nine point nine percent, you know. So that's even that's a big difference. Just to know that there would be, and I'm not, I'm not saying one way or another. I'm not judging the people not wearing one. I'm not right. whatever. I'm not making any statements here. I'm just saying, like you're saying, compared to California, and how it's, it's a different world, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean because you know there are times. Usually, I wear like I have like the uh, the gator mask or whatever, you know, that I could just pull up. Over right. my so I just I usually just wear that around my neck, and if I go into a place or whatever, I pull it up and you know I wear it, you know over my nose and over my mouth. And um, there have been a couple of times where I'm like, oh man, I forgot my my mask, and like I just run into the store and like run out, and you know nobody thinks anything of it. But how dare you? I know, right? I know. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll catch some slack on Twitter for that, but. Um, now, for the most part, you know, you take all precautions and do everything you can. But, I mean, guys out here, kids, you know, the, in the town I'm in, I'm in Monticello, Arkansas. Uh, you know, I just was at their playoff game, their last uh, couple of playoff games. And they just lost this last week. But I'm in the stands, you know, sitting there watching high school football. Where in California, they may not have a high school season. And no, I don't, I don't think they will. Like... Being a teacher and knowing all the restrictions that they're taking within the classroom, like with our all of our classes. So next semester, all we're supposed to have in-person students again, but all of the classes have been cut in half. You see one half on one day and then the other half on the next day, and all of them have to remain six feet apart, and teachers and the students have to wear masks at all times. And, you know, so that's what it is supposed to be like in a classroom. And I just think like there's no right. way they're going to be able to let students go out and then play tackle football when the classes are like that, you know. So the outlook right. for for sports in California is not great. Yeah, no, nah, it doesn't. It doesn't look like they're, they're going to be able to play. So I, I have some, you know, people I know out there. What they're doing for a lot of kids is they are creating this like travel seven on seven. I mean, not seven on seven. Travel tackle football team. They're actually putting together teams like full of like, you know, kids that are like high school seniors and whatnot, kind of like little all-star teams and they're traveling. Now where they're going to travel and, and where they're going to play. I don't know because I'm, I'm pretty positive not playing in California, but I know for seven on seven, my Stockton kids, we, we went to uh, Las Vegas for a tournament where, you know, they were able to play there, you know, like kids that aren't playing, you know, football right now, tackle football. So, um, you know, people are trying to find a way around it to, you know, still get a lot of these kids exposure. And I know there are a lot of people that are probably like, oh man, like that's terrible. But a lot of these kids, man, depend on it to try to pay for it, you know, depend on having a good junior and senior year to try to pay for their education. So it's not as simple as just like, oh no, don't play, you know, and obviously you want everybody to be healthy, but you know, it's tough and you have to try to find that balance. So, you know, we'll see how it all plays out, but I'm just like, man, like, I don't know what's what's like you know what's the goal. Obviously, you, the goal is for it to just go away, but nothing is normal right now. Nothing's normal with 
um, how we're living. Nothing is normal with everybody having to wear, you know, mask everywhere they go. Um, nothing is normal with the 49ers getting kicked out of Santa Clara, <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's just, you know, and it's like, man, whatever we can do to, you know, fix it. We, we just gotta, gotta do it, man. And, and hopefully they, they come to some kind of, uh, uh, re, uh, they can resolve it, you know, sooner than later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously that's, that's the main hope just for, humanity in general but we'll see how long that takes i have no idea you know i i was i was a little i'm a little young to remember like because i know some of these things have come along before you know there's been other uh new strains of like the flu and other other random like kind of viruses that have come along before but i really wasn't uh, i don't think i was as old enough or or even alive to remember when stuff like that would come along so i'm not sure how it was handled and how long it took to go away so I don't really know, but I do know that obviously the 40, you know, to kind of wrap this up in a 49ers kind of viewpoint, they've packed up, they've taken everything to Arizona. They plant, they're practicing there. They're going to play their games there. Uh, and they're doing everything there as if they were in Santa Clara. Now uh, they've got the entire, um, this entire hotel set up as if they were in Santa Clara. And from all the players perspectives, from what I've heard, it sounds like it's pretty hospitable. It sounds like they're able to do a lot of the same things they did at Levi's stadium, because if you don't, if you don't know this, if you've never been there, the 49ers practice facility sits right next to Levi's stadium. You could walk from the inside of Levi's stadium to the practice fields in about five minutes. Like not even that, like, you know, it's, they're, they're just right across the way. And so the, the 49ers locker rooms and a lot of their meeting rooms are all inside of Levi's stadium where, and then they will just simply walk across this kind of, you know, this little like um, breezeway. And through another set of doors and, and, and across a parking lot, little parking lot, and they're on the practice field. So the 49ers had a great setup for, for training camp, for practices throughout the week, for throughout the season. And so, you know, having to pick all that up and, and move it somewhere else is a huge undertaking. And to me, it's just wild that they are the only team in the NFL. And if there's one state where the COVID stuff was, was wreaking havoc worse than California, it was New York. And New York has, I mean, how many teams do they have over there in that area? Three. Like, like you have the three that are kind of like in New York. And then you have, so you've got the New York Jets, the New York Giants. Uh, you got the New England Patriots who aren't in New York. The Giants are in New Jersey, but it's pretty much New York. It's right there. It's, it's right. I mean, yeah, just kind of that general area. What's crazy, too, is especially being from California. When I went to New York and I was just like blown away how, how little time it takes you to get from like state to state. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I like, drove right by um, the Philadelphia Eagles stadium. I mean, it, it seemed like it was an hour and a half from like New York, New Jersey area, like hour and a half, maybe two hours or something. Like you, you go through it all pretty quick between that Delaware. Like they're all like kind of right there, a bunch together. Right. So that, when I when I say, I guess I could just kind of say East Coast teams or some of those those no, northern eastern teams that are all real tight together in an area that was pretty badly affected by COVID from the onset and, and all of those teams are still there. So it's, it's hard to say how much of this mandate of the 49ers getting the boot revolves around, you know, revolves around them as, and how much of a legitimate safety concern they present to the public versus Santa Clara and the 49ers just having kind of a bad relationship. And they kind of, 
I don't think I mentioned this earlier. Well, no, we did. We did mention that the Santa Clara County official kind of took a dig at the 49ers saying that they were jeopardizing the public's health. So it's, it's just, it's, it's hard to know how much of that is legitimate and how much of that is just kind of the fact that they have such a rocky relationship, but um, let's go ahead and I'm going to jump in here. I'm going to get my, uh, let's, let's get a quick word in from our sponsors. And when we come back, we will, um, do a little quick update from just kind of how the 49ers are standing and kind of break down their uh, their Monday matchup against the Bills. Yeah. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed's the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria and you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offers valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. And of course, we've got Bet Online. Football's back. It's in full swing. Depending on where you live, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online's going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their seasoning opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. It's all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right. As far as um, housekeeping news, the only really thing that Kyle Shanahan brought up that was of note, I guess you could say, is Debo Samuel was held out of practice today. Kyle Shanahan seemed, uh, you know, confident slash adamant that that was really only to give his hamstring, which um, the game against the Ram was Debo's first game back in a while. So, the the 49ers are obviously resting his hamstring this week. I don't know if he's going to be a participant in tomorrow's practice, excuse me, Friday's practice. Um, the 49ers should also practice on Saturday because everything kind of gets moved back one day when they, when they do Monday games. So we'll see what Debo's status is, but Kyle Shanahan said he was a little sore, but he made it sure to kind of say it wasn't like a re-injury thing. They were just being careful, kind of like a load management deal. Um, it's really, really common throughout the league. So obviously we're, we're hoping that I didn't jinx Debo Samuel by saying, hey, Brandon, are you Debo Samuel game on deck? And then, <laughs> right. 
Well, it wouldn't just be you know, be all in, uh, you know the faithful because is everybody like, man, can we please see the two together? And you know, we're finally looking forward to that. And you know what's kind of cool, and I feel a little validated. This is not like a, a, a I was right moment because it's certainly not a like a, that astute of an observation. But it is cool to see how Kyle Shanahan has used both Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel in very similar ways. You know, when one has been in and the other's been out, which one of the things I liked most about the way that, you know, the IU pick when they picked him and after learning a little bit about his game was the fact that every time the 49ers motioned a player, the the defense was going to have to respect it, you know, and and that's not always the case. If the 49ers motion Kendrick Bourne, like defense is probably (laughs) not going to get itself into a twist. Right. You you know, (laughs) if, if they motion Trent Taylor or if they motion... Whoever, but the fact whenever Kyle Shanahan motions either Brandon Ayuk or Kendrick Bourne, the the defense has got their eyes on that. So, and that's how he's ended up using them. You know, they're he's got like obviously Crocker and I are very in favorable of them favor of them doing wide receiver things. We want mm-hmm. them to just run routes and catch the ball. But Kyle Shanahan's used them both as as running backs on the perimeter too. So it has been cool to see him actually use them like that. And, uh, you know, obviously, like I just said, we prefer wide receiver things, but it's been cool to see the fact that they're not mirrors of each other. Debo Samuel's a little bit more, you know, stout and and a bully, but they're both good at that type of play. Athletes. Yeah, I guess it's as simple as that. See, Croc (laughs) just took uh, my 38 words I just gave you guys and summed it up in one of them. Just athletes <laughs> <laughs> just be, you know i mean you know when, when you're just really athletic and, and you have a versatile skill set you know you can you can do things like that and they they got two guys who they probably value more as athletes than even just pure receivers which you know clearly we've seen them do receiver things we like to see a little more but um you know they they have the ability to be like all right you know Hey, maybe we don't trust our quarterback throwing five yards downfield, so we'll just do everything by our scrimmage. And we're like, you guys have to do that. So he's like, they're like, coach, coach, this route is is six yards. Do you are you sure you want to run this? <laughs> and he and he he's like, no, nah, man, let's just run the end around. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, coach, this is an eight yard hitch, and I'll come back to six. That's a little past five. Yeah, Debo's not complaining. He has like twenty catches like behind the line of scrimmage this year. But right. trying to he purposely he purposely flattened out his he purposely flattened out his slant just to make sure it was inside of five yards when he caught it. Right, got to get those uh, yards after catch, which I think he has the most yards after catch per play or something. I think I saw something like that on PFF. Yeah, I think it's like tw- over twelve yards after yeah. the catch. He's averaging over twelve yards after the catch, and obviously his sample size is size is going to be a little bit smaller than most other players because he hasn't played as many games. But he's averaging more yards after the catch than probably a decent. Somebody might have tweeted this. I'm not sure who, but he's averaging more yards after the catch than probably a shit ton of receivers are. Period, per reception. Right. You, you know, which is, I mean, that's just that doesn't surprise any 49ers fans. Debo Samuel is just a a wrecking ball when he's on the field, and that that what that's one of my biggest disappointments about what happened to the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Every time they gave the ball to Debo Samuel, they were gaining, gaining like 8 to 15 yards. And then they they just stopped. And I was like, man, yeah, at least just, make them completely stuff that out. 
make them completely stop that before you stop doing it. You know, because if if they're stopping an end around play like that, then that means that the middle of the field's probably probably open quite a bit. You know, so uh, yeah, that was weird. I don't know why I randomly thought about that, but I remember just how (laughs) successful that was against the Chiefs to start that game for the first half or first three quarters or whatever. And then I I need to see if they if they can stop it right because that for up to that point like they weren't stopping it, so it was like. All right, let's like you know, not like yeah, I do it every play, but let's keep kind of throwing it in there a little bit, you know, and until they actually stop it. And if they stop it, then it's like, all right, okay, now we can stop. But shoot, don't stop now. No, 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 I know, and that's kind of reminds me of when they were playing the the Vikings in the the playoffs, and after Richard Sherman picked that ball, and they just did like eight Tevin Coleman runs in a row, yeah. and they were just like, okay, we will we will throw the ball whenever you stop this run, and and they never did. They went right in the end zone. You know, so it's it's kind of like that, and and that's a coaching saying. You know, you've heard it before. Do it until they stop it. You know, and then do do whatever else you want to do, and uh, and that's kind of like that's kind of how the 49ers view Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Like, hey, we're gonna keep running these end arounds until you guys get good at stopping it. And you know, Kyle Shanahan's sitting there going, okay, when they sell out to stop this, then here's your uh, you know, here's your slant over the middle that goes for 20 yards, or here's your your um your little what's that? like that arrow route from the running back that they like to do right, right over the middle that splits the linebackers. Yeah. Stuff um, like that. Yeah. I think some people, not, not Texas route, but yeah, I know what you're talking about where you kind of like go out, then come back in. Yep. Yep. You, you pull that linebacker outside linebacker out there and then whoop, i see ya. But, um, all right, Crocker. So Buffalo bills, man. What's your, I mean, we were, we were talking about them. We were looking at, at their record. We were looking at their stats. We were looking at kind of the, the roster. What, I mean, what's your overall take? Like let's kind of, let's frame it this way in relation to the Rams. Are the Buffalo bills more of a challenge? Are they in the same caliber of team? Can the 49ers do the same things to the, the bills as they did to the Rams? They're not the same team. Obviously I'm just saying as, as far as an overall how good this team is. What's your what are your thoughts, dude? Well, yeah, no, I, I think the thing that they and I mean it's funny you bring up the Rams, they beat the Rams, but I think the challenge that they pose is their quarterback is just way more dynamic and explosive. And watching some games back, they do a variety of things with him. The thing I was surprised to see is how much they run him. And I'm talking about like designed run plays, like quarterback uh powers. That was something I wasn't really expecting to see a whole lot of. I, you know, obviously I know he, you know, Josh Allen, he's athletic. He can move, he can run. But I thought maybe most of it was him just maybe buying time. Something's not there. Let me just take off. But, ah, man, they're doing design quarterback powers. Um, they did a read option where he uh, beat the defensive back around the edge uh, and ran it in for a touchdown. Uh, that was the thing that, you know, offensively, I, you know, jumped out to me the most. And when you talk about the two teams, that's probably the biggest difference where on one side, everything has to kind of be manufactured for Jared Goff. And even then he's hit and miss with his execution of it. On the other side, you have this quarterback that's extremely dynamic. He can throw the ball a hundred yards <laughs> in the air and, you know, he can run and take off and hurt you with his legs at any point. So it puts a lot of pressure on teams to defend him, you know, every, every, every play. And I'm not really necessarily one to, I don't know, 
I, I don't like the statement, and you've we've had this conversation many times. I don't like the statement, oh, well, the 49ers suck against mobile quarterbacks or the 49ers struggle to defend a mobile quarterback because, of course, there isn't, as far as I know, there isn't a team in the league that's like just super good at defending a mobile quarterback, you know, because it's so much of it is off schedule. And, 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 you know, there are teams that have done well in like countering that type of gameplay, but it's, you know, Josh Allen is a very mobile quarterback. He's a very big dude. He's a very powerful dude. I mean, Devin Singletary, their lead back had 11 carries for 82 yards. Good game for him. Um, He's pulled off some big runs. Right, yeah, his biggest run was 24 yards, and he probably had multiples of like that, and you know, obviously to over average over seven yards of carry. But then two carries behind him is Josh Allen. You know, he didn't he didn't average nearly as many yards per carry. He had nine runs for 32 yards. Um, you know, but 3.6 yards per carry is not necessarily like you can't just give that up all the time because they're going to get a first down every three plays. So it's it's not necessarily ineffective. And just the threat of him being able to do that is a problem. You know, it's 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 a problem. So I the forty ers really made it difficult for them running the ball or even throwing the ball at that because he, you know uh, Jared uh, Jared Allen, Josh Allen did throw an interception. Um, it was the pressure and it was just the dominance of Joey Bosa, where you know playing play out. He was just in the backfield like wreaking havoc. I want to say he had like three sacks, um, and that's not even including plays where. He was blowing up runs in the backfield, had some key stops uh, near the goal line, had some key stops on third down, uh, stopping uh, Allen on that uh, quarterback power. Uh, I I mean, he was just all over the place. And that's a big difference maker because the 49ers don't have that player right now. Now, obviously, the 49ers have him, but, you know, he's just not healthy. Um, But, you know, that that makes a big difference, too, with, you know, how – you know, Josh Allen and Buffalo's offense is just, you know, able to play at a more efficient level. You know, the 49ers have gotten good play out of Kerry Hyder, but not much pass rush from anyone else on a consistent basis, at least not with the consistency of what I saw from uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, they they did a good job. And, and Joey Bosa's stat line was just – Absurd. He had nine total tackles, which is really high for a defensive end. He had three sacks, five quarterback hits, six tackles for loss, a pass breakup, and a fumble recovery. Like he almost hit every single stat that they track. So his game was dominant, and they gave up a few more quarterback hits to some of the other guys on defense. Um, they did have that interception uh, from Davis. So it's it, and also the other only other turnover was a forced fumble. So it, they're definitely not exactly locking up the football. There's and and the 49ers created so many turnovers against the Rams. Now we talked about yesterday during the mailbag that that's not necessarily sustainable. That's not something that you can you can't just expect a defense to force four turnovers a game. Um or it might even be more than that. It might have been five. I can't can't remember exactly. It, it, it was four. Um and that's including the the uh defensive touchdown. Right. So it's not necessarily something that could be contained. The majority of the Bills offense, at least against the Chargers, came on the ground. They ran for, as a combined backfield, 172 yards. And uh, Josh Allen only threw for 157. 
So he didn't have he had an okay game. He was eighteen for twenty four. It kind of was like some of Kaepernick's games, you know, where it, he was he completed like seventy percent of his passes for like one hundred and fifty something yards and and a touchdown. You know, but also then, too that's not including in that is early in the game he threw a ball like sixty yards in the air and they called pass interference on the five yard line. So you know, obviously those stats don't go in; those yards don't go into his. Um, you know, when you look at the stat sheet, but just, you know, that, that did happen. And that's something that can happen because of their willingness to throw the ball downfield. Right. Thankfully the 49ers, I I don't have any like deep play statistics, but I would willing be willing to bet that the 49ers are among one of the top NFL teams on defense preventing big plays. They, they've taken a lot of pride in that over the years. I know that last year they were one of the best teams in the NFL in that stat. And if you look at kind of what they were, what the bills were able to do on offense, like they got the ball to Stefan Diggs seven times, but, and he had nine targets, but it was only for 39 yards. You know, they were, they did a really, really good job. The chargers did of keeping kind of the bills in front of them and not giving, giving up too many big plays. Um, their biggest play was a 26 yarder to, to a uh, Davis. So it's, you know, if you go through and you look at the bills schedule, and their wins and their losses. There's a lot of really kind of like those those games, you know, they they won by three points over the Dolphins. They only won by 10 points versus the Jets. They only beat the Rams by three points. You know, they only beat the Raiders by a touchdown. They've had a ton of close games, even against the Chiefs, which is actually impressive. Um, but they've just had a ton of close games. And, you know, even in the Patriots. Now, again, that's a division game for them. So we we know better than anybody that division games are always different. You know they always just just present a little di- bit different of feel. They did beat the Seahawks, put forty four points on them, um, held and then but the Seahawks were able to put up thirty four. They right before the Chargers they played the Cardinals and uh, they lost by two points, thirty to thirty two. So they're I mean there's they're they're a good team, but if I feel like they've pretty much other than the Titans. Um, who, who stomped on them? They've pretty much let let every team hang around. You know what I mean? Like they haven't yeah. really just asserted any dominance on any team that they've ever played. So it's I, I'm I'm really just not sure what to make of the 49ers' chances against the Bills. I mean, obviously, I would make something of the fact that they're at home. The 49ers are playing a home game, but <laughs> well, it, it, they're in Arizona, so yeah. I don't know, man. And, I, just, I mean, really, the 49ers haven't played well at home. Now, I, I don't look into that like, you know, I've seen other people like, oh, they can't play well at home. But, I mean, like, obviously, home hasn't been an advantage for them, you know. And there's no fans, so maybe that has something to do with it. But um, playing at home for the 49ers so far ha- hasn't been something where that they've been able to lean on, you know. Yeah, it, it, it hasn't. And it's... They, I mean, they were pretty good at home last year, weren't they? No, I mean, sure, they were good home and away. <laughs> I mean, so it really just has more to do with the, the team than it does. Right. You know, they weren't good. At, they haven't been good at home because the team hasn't been good. Well, that's the like, thing. Okay, so, you know, a lot of people made a big deal, you know, in Kyle's first year. Oh, like, not winning on the road and stuff. And it's like, well, the team's not good. And then 2019 – the team is good, and they're like they're winning at home and away. You know, they beat New Orleans Saints on the road, like in a shootout. Like you know, is when your team is good, you're probably going to do good home and away. When your team is bad, 
you're probably going to struggle, <laughs> you know? Um, and the home field really only matters maybe like if you can use that energy of the crowd in the big game, kind of like the Bosa chance uh, in the division around playoffs against the Minnesota Vikings, you know, situations like that. But for the most part, shoot, man, like if you're good, you're good. And, and you're going to, and you're going to play tight, you know, whether you're home or away, but if you're bad, it's going to be hard to find wins. And that's kind of what we've seen from the 49ers so far early in this season. And part of the reason why they're one and four at home. Right. And I, and I do feel like as cliche and as, as effortless as it is on my part, the, the way, you know, it, it all depends on Nick Mullins for the 49ers. I feel like the defense, the 49ers defense is going to get the job done. That doesn't mean that they're going to allow zero points. But unless the Bills just find a way to have Robert Sala's number, you could. we just have a lot of faith that the 49ers defense is going to be pretty solid. You know, that's, yeah. that's just – they've earned that. They've earned that right. And it, it all just – the offense is the X factor. And that's not an indictment of Kyle Shanahan. He's just out there working with a backup quarterback that is – a backup quarterback. A backup quarterback. Yeah, I was going to say, just a backup quarterback. It's really as simple as that, you know, and there are a lot of people that try to, you know, read into it more than what it is and, uh, you know, bring up different numbers and things like that. But at the end of the day, man, like, he's a backup quarterback. And we've said it, like, we can't expect a whole lot out of him. But that's also the reason why, you know, I'm more – you know, skeptical of the 49ers going forward as long as he's that quarterback. It's not his fault. He is who he is. But, you know, it's hard to be, you know, because this game against Buffalo, if the 49ers had Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, they had George Kittle, you even if they, if they just had Jimmy Garoppolo, you feel a lot more confident with saying that the 49ers can win. And obviously that's not to say that they can't win. I just can't say that with confidence, you know. Yeah, that, and that's perfectly reasonable. And and again, we've said this before, but go to there's 31 other teams in the NFL. Go to every single one of them. Don't do anything else to their roster. Ignore the other 18 to 20 injuries the 49 significant injuries the 49ers have had to endure. Ignore that. Just go to all those 31 NFL teams and remove their starting quarterback and put in the backup and let's see how they do. I guarantee you the vast majority of them are going to lose two thirds of their games. I mean, did you see, did you see, uh, I mean, there was a Wednesday night game. It was, I mean, Wednesday day game. It was a little weird, but the Baltimore Ravens against Pittsburgh Steelers and just even with RG three, like it just didn't look right. (laughs) You know, it wasn't a good outing by him or by the Baltimore Ravens. Right, and it's just everybody keeps wanting, and I understand that we have to watch this every week and we have to have something to talk about, but I just keep seeing this consistent desire from fans and even some media uh, personalities that want it to be a bigger thing than it is, and it just isn't. Like, and, and you know, it just isn't. Like, they're they're just they're fielding a backup quarterback that just is playing like a backup quarterback and his ceiling is only so high and you can only expect so much from him. And that it's just, it is what it is. And that, that is what it is. Now, if Jimmy were out there and the 49ers offense was struggling, then, you know, there would be a little bit of of weight falling, a little bit of the blame falling on Kyle Shanahan, a lot of the blame falling on Jimmy Garoppolo. And you would kind of know just by how the games played out, 
where the problem lies. But you can't really have that same determinations when there's a backup quarterback out there all the time. You can't, you know, it's like taking a professional race car driver and and putting them in a a Honda Civic or whatever and being like, well, why aren't you winning these races? Like, <laughs> what, what the hell, man? What kind what of, you know? Yeah. Or, or just taking a professional race car driver and say, okay, look, everybody else is going to go the normal 220 miles an hour. You cannot go faster than 175. So, but we still want you to win these races. Okay. Right. We just expect you to, to, to veteran drive your way to a victory. And that's just like, and that's what position Kyle Shanahan is in. It just, now, with last week, they got some help, right? I mean, you know, it was like, yeah, he was in the, you know, the car that had to go slower, but other cars didn't stop at the little pit stop or whatever to change the tires. <laughs> so he had got like, you know, some sort of an advantage. And that kind of was what happened last weekend. You know, the 49ers are going to have to lean on things like that. Or going into the game, they're going to know that they're, they're going to need things like that to happen. Now, can Nick Mullins play very well, even against this, Buffalo team. You know, the thing that jumped out to me with Buffalo was how fast they played. Like, I thought defensively, they were moving around fast. They were running around fast. You know, I heard some stats that their defensive, you know, was it DVOA? I always forget that. But their defense. Yeah, you got it right. Yeah, it's DVOA. Yeah, DVOA. Um, weeks one through six were, they were 31st in the league, which is terrible. And that's a team that's known more for their defense, right? Last year, they were like third in the NFL behind the Patriots and 49ers. Um, but they were 31st. Well, since then, uh, week seven through thir- uh, 12, they are seventh. So obviously, they're doing a whole lot better. Now, when you look at their overall stats, it's more middle of the middle of the pack. But They've gotten better. And what I've watched over the last couple of weeks is a team that is playing extremely fast defensively, extremely confident. And even watching Joe, uh, uh, Justin, Justin Herbert and how, how tough it was for him. And that's a quarterback that has an immense amount of talent. Um, he's had a lot of success uh, pushing the ball downfield. He has a really good receivers that he trusts, and he's able to give them opportunities. Well, even with him, it was the ball had to get out right now. He has to do this right now. Has to make plays on the move. Like everything, like had to process things extremely fast. And that's something that, you know, if if I just put Nick Mullins in that same situation, that's tough. That's gonna be tough for him. So we we clearly Nick Mullins can play well. We've seen it at different times, right? I mean, obviously you go back to his first year, he had a couple of nice games, one against the Broncos, one against the Raiders. Um uh, you know, you look at this year and you see him against the Giants and it's like, okay, like, like if, if everything is right, it's, it's there for him where he can, he can be successful. It's just more times than not, he's shown to be some, someone else, not someone, someone else, but like he's shown to be who he truly is and really is. And it's a backup quarterback. So um, hopefully Nick Mullins can, can pull through and really uh, diagnose things uh, quickly play fast, get the ball out of his hands. Hopefully Kyle helps him with that to offset something, get some screens because that 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 Bills defense, they're, they're playing fast, man. They're playing really fast. Yeah, and the 49ers should be able to take some pressure off of Nick Mullins with the fact that they're expected to have both Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk in the lineup. Brandon Ayuk was taken off the, uh, the COVID list this week, and, and if everything's good with him, if he feels great, 
um, then he should be a big part of this game. And then you've got Raheem Mostert, who is is a huge addition to that too because he's so damn fast that he can he can push the ball to the outside and get an edge and or find a crease. And so the 49ers are going to have a lot of speed. They're going to have a lot of ways to uh, to to kind of do what they want to do, whether that's pushing the ball downfield or kind of stretching the field side to side. It's just a matter of it all. It all just hinges upon Nick Mullins and his ability to execute along with the offensive line. The offensive line was pretty shaky uh, against the Rams. And obviously you've got somebody like Aaron Donald on the other side. That's always going to make an offensive line look shaky for the most part. I mean, the 49ers handled him pretty well the first time they met. Um, but it's, it's just, uh, to me, it's it's all in those two things, man. If the offensive line can do their job, if Nick Mullins can stay cool, uh, he again, he always looks so stressed, man. Like, whenever they show clips of him on the sideline, or <laughs> like, he just looks, like, he looks like he is, <laughs> is not having fun. Like, he, like, you used to see clips of Jimmy where he'd be standing next to somebody and kind of, like, laughing with him and, and giving you that, that, that picturesque Jimmy smile. Where Nick just like every time they cut to him, he's like taking a deep <laughs> breath and he's like exhaling and he's just hey, he's just look, listen, you know. I mean, the quarterback is a stressful position. I remember you know being with the Jets and you know playing video games with Geno Smith and in this broad daylight, like just a normal day, and I don't know where he just pulls out like this big thing of like Ciroc. And, you know, and he's like drinking like hard alcohol in the middle of the day. I'm like, dude, you're stressed the hell out, huh? <laughs> you know, like it, there's a lot on his shoulders, and he's not somebody that has this immense amount of talent to overcome some of the deficiencies he has. I think in, I think in his head he's a gunslinger, but he just that's not what his abilities say he is. It's, yeah, it's, it's tough, and I'm not like talking shit. Like I'm not saying that. That, you know, he might be calm and collected out there, but he just doesn't appear that way from the outside. And, you know, obviously I look at this stuff from a little bit of like a military perspective because I was in the military and, you know, you're obviously I was a leader. I was an officer in charge of no less than 45 guys at, at one point. And, you know, I have officers above me and you're always kind of just paying attention to their demeanor. Now, we never deployed a war that we were never asked to. We, we tested the Army's new stuff, which was fun in its own way. But you're always kind of just looking to how someone above you is going to react to any given situation. You know, how how does what type of leader is this person? How do they react when stress becomes a part of the equation? And some of them are, are cool as ice and some of them get real fired up. Some of them become flustered. And, you know, I'm not really sure which one of those Nick Mullins is when he's in his moment. Now, obviously, I'm not talking. Obviously, football is not life or death, but it's. It's just another, you know, it's, it's a, like you said, it's a lot of pressure. And, and sometimes he just looks like he is hyperventilating over there. And, and I don't, I don't, that he may not be. He might be, you know, they, if you ask his teammates, they might say that dude's, the dude's ready to roll. Well, but, I think he would be like calm, cool, because like, like, dude, you're playing with house money. You well, know, and he, it's not his first time anymore. He's actually gotten quite a bit of time. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, this is like, it's like you are a backup. Like, that's, what you are. So, and that's what they expect you to be. You know, it's not like they're depending on him to like lead them to the Super Bowl. You know, so I think he's kind of in that sense playing with house money, where it's like, hey, you know, if I play well, great. Like, if I don't, like, they view me as a backup, anyways. Not saying like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not how he looks at it. He looks at it as like, hey, I can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. But, um, 
Yeah, he's got to play with house money right now. Well, and, and that's true. But I mean, if if he if he can keep it together and, and the 49ers win a couple games, win a few games, and you know some other things happen around the league, all of a sudden he's the one that's in charge of getting the team into the playoffs. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it's it's it, it, right now. I think it's definitely still in the house money side of things. But real quick, if he does, if if things go a certain way, all of a sudden he's expected to 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 clinch a playoff or be a big part of clinching a playoff for his team, and and all of a sudden it's going to cut to Nick on the sideline. He's going to have a, <laughs> a brown paper bag, and, he, and he's going to be breathing in and out of that thing. Well, um, if you beat Buffalo, I mean that's a because then the 49ers are a 500 team with Dallas and Washington being the next two games. I know. I know, dude. I'm glad you said that because that is a good point. You know, the 49ers get to, what is it, 6-6? Six and six, Yeah, and, they be 6-6. Six and six. And then let's say that if the 49ers can beat the Rams and they can beat the Bills, then they should be able to beat Washington and Dallas. So then you're looking at an 8-6 and six 49ers. And probably is, returning Jimmy Garoppolo by that time. If the 49ers are 8-6, and six, I would be willing to bet, and I'm not a betting man, that you start hearing a lot about, oh, here comes Jimmy G and George Kittle. <laughs> right. they, it's like WWE. Oh, that's Jimmy Garoppolo's music, and George Kittle's with him. You know, it's like, <laughs> I guess I, it should be the other way because it should be George Kittle's music. He's the WWE fan, and yeah. wrestling fan. So that's George Kittle's music, and, and right behind him is Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and you know, so – and I'm glad you said that. And I think that's a that's a good a good way to wrap up the pod is is look, if the 49ers can can get it done against the Bills and get to six and six and then beat two teams that they will be favored to beat in Dallas and Washington, other way, Washington, Dallas, like damn, 49ers are eight and six, and then the attitude and the outlook and the possibilities become a lot more positive. And that's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. And I've said that, you know, not, you know, try not to look ahead one game at a time. But at that point, you would just have to win one of the two games between the Seahawks and the Cardinals. And, it, it, I, and I think nine and seven definitely gets you in. So, yeah, there will be some pressure in those games. Like then, you know, he can start hyperventilating and all that. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, Nick, if you're listening, I'm just kidding, man. I'm sure I'm sure you're cool yeah. as ice. But but um, all right, guys, that's it. That's it for us. That's it for us. The next time you will hear from Crocker and I will be on Monday. It, I mean, I I guess no matter what, I'm sure. I mean, you're a trooper, Croc. You'll probably be on here either way. But yeah. we'll see. It starts at 7.15 my time, so that's not too bad. Okay, yeah. They So they haven't gone with that. At one point, they, they were rumored to be doing the game at 8 p.m., which would just be horrible. Yeah. So um, then that shouldn't be too bad. We'll be on here. We'll be, we'll be giving our, our – our breakdown of whatever happens between the 49ers and the Bills. We'll see. But, hey, appreciate you guys. Appreciate the support, as always. Thank you for listening. Thank you for making Striking Gold what it is. Um, get on there and leave us a review wherever wherever it is you're listening to this pod. Um, but, yeah, appreciate you guys for another, another day, another evening, or another morning, whenever you listen to this podcast. This is Striking Gold signing out. Sniper Crocky, peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.